Hey, before we get started, if you are ready to pass your exams and become a licensed architect, you're going to want to listen to this. We are revolutionizing architectural education. It is my goal and mission to help as many people as possible become licensed architects while still maintaining their happiness. So introducing the architecture of play. This is our secret podcast series that will transform the way you study and prep for your ARE. Imagine having a happy work-life balance while also pursuing your dream of becoming a licensed architect. I promise you, it is possible. Our seven-episode private podcast gives you exclusive access to the secrets that can make this dream a reality. Remember, the more fun you have, the more likely you are to pass your exams and become a licensed architect. Start listening today at dci.beyoungdesign.com slash secret podcast. Don't miss out. This is going to transform your exam prep and help you enjoy the process of becoming a licensed architect. All right, enjoy the episode. Welcome to Design, Create, Inspire with me, Bryn Young. I'm an architect and entrepreneur with a background in interior design and small business management. I have been running a successful award-winning architecture firm for over six years, and I'm here to discuss all things design and business. There are over 1 million podcasts to choose from, so thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. I hope to bring you value with every episode I create, so let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to Design Create Inspire. Today I am talking to you all about the three things that you should know before you hire an architect. Now this is typically for a client, of course, but this can also be three questions that if you're an architect, you better be asking, and I'm sure you will be asking. (laughs) It's usually kind of like the first thing you do, but I'm going to go into the three top items and pretty much why I ask them, um, why they affect the project, and why they are so important. If this is your first time here, hello, my name is Bryn Young. I'm an architect here in San Diego, and I run the firm Be Young Design. I have a podcast, Design Create Inspire, and YouTube channel, Be Young Design. Uh, definitely make sure to subscribe and notify so you know when I have new episodes out, which is weekly on Tuesday. So definitely do that so you can get all the inspiration you need. Okay, so let's just dive right into it. What are the three things that I ask every single client pretty much the moment they contact me? The number one is... What are you looking for, basically? What's the scope of work? Scope of work is what we use to call it. Um, it's also often called the program, the programming. Now, a couple things with the scope of work. Sometimes this can be very general. This can be a client coming and saying, hey, I'm looking to do, I'm looking to build a new home. We have two kids. It's my husband and I. We would love to have three bedrooms, an office, a kitchen space, ideally around 2,000 square foot. So that's kind of like a general scope of work, but it's definitely something we can work with. 
Another example is if it is a remodel and someone says, hey, we have this three-bedroom, two-bath. It's just a little too tight. We need to do an addition. We're looking to do a master suite addition. So my first question would be, do you have an idea roughly how many square feet you want to add? And they may say, you know, some people might not not have an idea. They say, no, not really. Um, definitely want it to be a comfortable master. It doesn't have to be huge. A master suite, enough, um, an ensuite enough to have a tub, a, a toilet enclosure, and a walk-in closet. So this is enough information to at least start the process. So why is this the most important thing? Well, one, so we know what we're doing, what what the plan is, and what you are looking to do. This will also start guiding us into the next question, and which is budget. So we want to make sure that your scope of work or your client's scope of work aligns with your budget, the client's budget. These are both pretty much, in my opinion, the most important because they are so contingent on each other. So if you have a super high scope of work or program or um, I should say large program basically, but a low budget, you're going to have to adjust something. If you have a really high budget and kind of a low scope of work, well, that's really easy to work with and we can definitely make a lot happen. So that's how that also kind of um, starts allowing me to see any red flags that might be coming up or any sort of education that I might need to provide. So education meaning helping the client guide them into what's a practical square footage amount, uh, what's a practical scope of work um, based on what they are looking to do, based on their site, based on based on what's already existing. And then it also allows me to help educate on budget. Before we dive into budget, in terms of scope of work, this eventually will go into a more detailed program where we are literally listing out the spaces that we are going to be designing. And uh, I always give my clients a questionnaire that they fill out um, depending on the pro- project, but 90% of the time, where they can list even like the look and the feel that they want of those spaces. So that's kind of, that's basically all incorporated under that scope of work, aka program. So budget. Budget is a tough one because sometimes your client or you as the client may have no idea what things cost. And it's important to have this conversation really early on because I, as the architect, want to make sure that what you are looking to do is even feasible based on your budget. Uh, I also really try hard to design for my client's budget without not considering it at all or without blowing it completely. Um, Of course, scope creep comes in and scope creep is basically when um, things can kind of slowly start adding into the program, which increases the budget. I usually try to um, vocalize that with my clients and let them know, hey, just so you know, we can do anything you want. 
this might be a little bit more expensive. So I try to make it apparent, but at the same time, you know, that can't always happen. But having a realistic budget in mind when you're going into the project is super important. And with that, a lot of times when you ask a client a budget, they'll give you a number. In my experience, I find a lot of clients think of that as construction costs. So they say, oh, my budget's $200,000. And a contractor told me that I could, um, I the addition that I'm looking to do is right about 200. So it's perfect. So, you know, it looks like we can do what I'm looking to do. Well, I have to remind them there's soft costs involved as well. So obviously the architecture fees, any sort of engineering or other consultants like Title 24, which is energy consultants, uh, civil engineer if required, surveys, permits, even things like printing costs. Um, now things are going digital, so that's maybe not such a big fee like it used to be, or not a big one, but it's something people wouldn't think about. And then a couple hundred dollars later, it's like, wait, what? So soft costs need to be factored in to that budget. So a lot of times I will say figure 12 to 15% roughly over what your construction cost is to give you that soft cost budget. So those are two really important things for budget. The other thing is back to client that may not have a, any idea what the going rates are for con- construction or what to even expect. This is something I always talk with them about right away. I try to make it really clear. First of all, obviously, I'm not a contractor. I can't guarantee any of the prices that I'm giving. But at the same time, I have a bit of experience in this and can give pretty decent estimates of what the rough cost is going to be for the scope of work. So this is something I make apparent so that everyone is on the same page. And usually these costs can be a little um, shocking at first and maybe even a deal breaker for some clients. And to be honest, this is what I want. I, I want that to happen rather than we're done with all the design. They've paid me for almost all my work. We're in for permits. And then they find out what it's going to cost and it's way over their budget. And then they're either mad at me <laughs> for over-designing, um, which over-designing or aka not considering the budget at all, or they have to put the project on hold or cancel it altogether, which nobody wants. I've spent the time designing it. Of course, I want to see it built. The client spent the time and money getting it designed. They want to see it built. So it's a lose-lose for everyone. So I think having that clear communication early on about budget is critical. Now, years ago, when I very first started, this always felt um, kind of funny, I guess, maybe uh, like the first thing asking. And I think because just my money mindset growing up and how I um, was taught about money or you don't really talk about money, you know, so so having that conversation used to feel kind of intimidating or scary to ask a client, hey, what's your budget? Especially when you're talking big budgets, you know, say say the budget's $500,000. That's, you know, it's a decent amount of money. So having that conversation early on felt a little 
funny. Like, hey, what's your savings account? But I got over that. I learned the proper way how to do that and then how to comfortably ask it and the importance of that. So having clear communication about your budget, whether you're the architect or whether you're the client, is so, so important to make sure that everybody wins, that you get the design you want, um, that the, the architect can try to stay on budget, and making sure that that is clear and discussed the entire time. So it's not like you have one conversation about it, you start the project and it's never talked about again. This should be talked about throughout the whole time. So say you're in schematic and the client goes, you know what, I do love this, but can we just add like 50 more square feet over here? I just really think that expanding that here would make the flow much better. Now here's the thing. One, I don't just say like, no, sorry, that goes over the budget because there's always value that has to be weighed. What I always respond, we can do anything. Um, An extra square footage will bring up the cost a bit. Uh, The pros and the value of that is increased value of the property, uh, potential resale value, um, better flow. This makes sense. Um, But be aware that it, it will increase pricing. So it's not like, it's just important to discuss all the different factors and for clients to know that, that even after the initial budget is discussed, that doesn't mean it's the end all be all. As you add things, remove things, alter things, budget increases or decreases or changes. So it's not static. So budget is super, super important. Now, again, back to the large scope of work versus the low budget or vice versa, these need to be discussed interchangeably because I don't believe that if a client comes and tells me, I want this scope of work, this is my budget, I don't believe in saying, well, you can't really do that scope of work with this budget, so sorry, you can't do your project. I like to try to work with the clients to figure out okay, this is your budget. What is the most, what's the most fixed? Is the budget the most fixed or is there some wiggle room in the budget? Is the scope of work the most fixed or is there some wiggle room here? Um, Because likely one or the other has some wiggle room. Both of them generally have a, uh, I don't want to say red flag, what do you call it? Like a, a breaking point or whatever where you can't go above or below either one. So I like to try to get an idea and make that work. So either decrease the scope of work so that it fits within your budget or we raise the budget so it fits in the scope. So I don't think it's ever a one and done, sorry, bye. It's always a, okay, let's figure out what we can do. (laughs) So if you're the client, make sure that this is discussed with you and that your... um, architect is having clear communication with you with this and working with you with this so um, that you guys are on the same page. I think clear communication is the key to success for any project. Discussed a lot about this in a couple episodes ago or in my early episodes about the ideal client and then also the design process. I think episode like two and three or something all about clear communication because this really will make your project. So make sure you're talking about this with your architect and 
and they're talking about it with you. The other thing I find is um, sometimes clients, because I have bidding and negotiation part of my scope of services, and when I'm on hourly, I find not all clients want to include that or maybe want to um, go out and find and communicate with the contractors themselves, get the bids and everything. That's 100% okay, no problem at all. Um, But sometimes I find that there's almost a secretive uh, feeling from, and maybe it's not, but um, sometimes I don't feel like the budgets or the proposals or the bids are uh, clearly provided to me. For my proposals, what it ends up costing doesn't affect my fee. So there's no reason really not to. I feel it's important because one, I can look over and see if maybe there's anything that's stands out that's totally missing from the bids, but also it just really helps me know how construction costs are. So for future projects, when I'm working on the budgets, you know, I can make sure, oh yeah, I was in line. Oh wait, this cost has totally gone up. One example is lumber right now. Lumber is so expensive. I I should find the article, but a freight cargo ship fell off in the ocean that was carrying a bunch of material supplies. I got to back up my story with facts, so I need to find the article. But And so that's totally affected the construction price. But there's a whole a whole bunch of other things, um, especially the pandemic has affected construction costs. So these are really important things that architects should constantly be aware of. So I feel like architects on your projects, you should be aware of what it's costing. Either, either what the bids are coming in at or what the final costs are, what your budget was, all of that. It's all super, super important. So what are some of the things, okay, so but I was going to say, so what are some of the things that affect the fees and affect the budget? So first off, I do want to say in San Diego, construction costs right now are looking at between $275 to $375 a square foot. I used to tell clients it was around $250 to $350, but with price inflations and increases right now, we're looking at more 275 to 375. So I get clients asking, okay, well, how do I get on that lower end or or what affects basically these fees? So there's a couple items that affect these fees. One is the project complexity. First of all, if you have a site that is complex, so maybe it's hard to get to or it's on a steep slope or it's near a cliff or it has certain soil conditions that make it more difficult. These are all going to increase your costs, just naturally. The other thing of um, project complexity is like literally project complexity. So is the design complex or has certain details that are much more finished? Not finished. Um, details that are more just more complex. Those are going to increase costs. Also, the builder. I mean, certain builders are just naturally going to cost more. Certain areas, so your project location um, and also your builder location, your builder proximity to your location, all these items will affect that square footage cost. And then the other item is the level of finish. 
that you want. So of course, I mean, especially with finishes, you can have a tile that is $1.99. You can have a tile per square foot, or you can have a tile that's $25 per square foot. Obviously, if you are choosing one or the other, it's going to greatly affect the cost, especially if, say, you do a bathroom and you just do the shower enclosure with tile, or you do you decide you want to tile the entire bathroom. Those are all going to affect your costs, and finishes really do bring up costs a lot. So this can make a beautiful project, so sometimes it's not worth sacrificing those finishes, or sometimes it's worth maybe doing them in a very specific way that can bring down costs, um, but elevate the aesthetic. But obviously these are going to affect price per square foot. So obviously these are all things you want to think about. Um, in terms of fees, what affects architecture fees? First of all, it depends on the type of contract, whether it's stipulated sum or hourly or hybrid approach. But I'm going to speak mainly just on an hourly, just just for ease sake. Um, one of the things that's going to affect your architect's fees are going to be your decision-making process. So the client's ability to make decisions and in what sort of manner. So if you have a client who has a hard time making a decisions, or you are the client that has a hard time making decisions, and you want to see a lot of different iteratives, iteratives of that design, or you need lots of like sketches or perspectives, or it takes a long time to make decisions, these are all going to obviously increase those fees, which makes sense. Hey, before we get started, if you are ready to pass your exams and become a licensed architect, you're going to want to listen to this. We are revolutionizing architectural education. It is my goal and mission to help as many people as possible become licensed architects while still maintaining their happiness. So introducing the architecture of play. This is our secret podcast series that will transform the way you study and prep for your ARE. Imagine having a happy work-life balance while also pursuing your dream of becoming a licensed architect. I promise you, it is possible. Our seven-episode private podcast gives you exclusive access to the secrets that can make this dream a reality. Remember, the more fun you have, the more likely you are to pass your exams and become a licensed architect. Start listening today at dci.beyoungdesign.com slash secret podcast. Don't miss out. This is going to transform your exam prep and help you enjoy the process of becoming a licensed architect. All right, back to the episode. To the level of design input requested. So I have my five basic services that, um, or five phases of design that fall into my basic services. But if you want um, more detailed, like interior elevations, cabinet designs, um, it, even if like your finishes, like your um, certain, certain design details are very complex, this obviously is going to increase those fees. 
obviously, so that goes into the next one is just the size and complexity of the project, obviously, that, I mean, I, feel, I, I keep saying obviously, but in a way, I feel like each one, I mean, it makes sense, you know, if it takes longer, it's more complex, it's going to cost more money. And then the intended scope of work. So whatever the scope of work is, that will obviously affect the architecture fees. So again, we, we um, meaning architects, I as an architect, try to figure out your scope based on what you want and your budget. Um, but there's a couple ways that you can also, as a client or your client, and you can relay this to your client, a couple ways that you can control costs that are really important. In, number one is being really clear about what you want. Again, if your scope will work, if you need help with programming, your architect can do that as a pre-designed service. Your architect can help you figure out what spaces you need in your home. But once you have this process going, you as a client or your client, if you're an architect, you need to make sure that you're being very clear what you like and what you don't. Architects are professional um, professionals who have been trained that our designs are not our personal artwork. We, of course, put time and energy into it, but it doesn't hurt our feelings when someone doesn't like something. I should say it shouldn't hurt our feelings when someone doesn't like something or it doesn't work for them because the client is who we're doing this for. So that's what's most important. I would so much rather have a client look at my three design options and say, oh gosh, I just really don't like design B. It really doesn't fit for what my family needs. This is why I don't like it. Maybe we could do this instead. That is so much more helpful than maybe not liking it and not telling me. And then I'm going through and halfway through the process, you're like, you know, I never really did like this. It's like, okay, well, tell me in the beginning, we would have told, we could have nixed that and gone in the right direction. And then we would have the design that you want right now. So skirting around things or trying to be sensitive to your architect is just going to cost you money. With that said, you don't have to be mean about it. You can say what you like, what you don't like, and use, you know, appropriate professional words and everything. But at the same time, architects do thrive on critical and constructive conversations. And, you know, nothing's worse than going through architecture studio presentations. I don't know. There's, I don't think, I've never had a client be worse than that. So being upfront with that is super important and it'll make you as the client get something that you're happy with and your architect will be happy too. The other thing I've talked about multiple times, how you can control your cost is matching your scope of work to your budget, making sure they are both in line. I'm really big on efficient designs on maximizing efficiency, not maximizing space. So that's the type of things that I typically design and uh, those are the clients I'm looking for or people who want efficient spaces, not maxing out their floor to area ratios. So um, if you do want to max out your floor to area ratio and you're looking for bigger is better, there are architects out there for you. 
and uh, it's just important to make sure that you know that your budget fits that mentality. Last thing for how you can control costs is, I mentioned this again uh, earlier when talking about the price per square footage, but making sure that the level of finishes fit your budget. So a lot of times, um, you know, I actually don't know a lot of times, but one of the contractors I work with uh, gives a itemized allocation of costs per finish. So like for tile, they'll say, uh, they'll give a bid or their proposal and it'll say this is based on $15 per square foot of tile. So I love that they do that because it's super helpful for the client, for the interior designer, uh, whoever's selecting the finishes to know what they look, they're looking for and to know if they go under that, their construction cost is going to be less. If they go over that, then it's going to be more. So staying within your proper allocations or your allocated budgets is important. Lastly, with budgets, I just want to leave you with, don't forget you have those additional services, um, consultants, permitting, soft, soft costs that are sometimes often overlooked. Okay, the third thing, the biggest thing, well, not the biggest thing, the third uh, thing that you need to know as the client um, before hiring an architect is your schedule. So this is going to be the third thing uh, that I ask during my first meeting with a new client because this tells me a couple things. This would tell me, one, if I'm available, um, if my project is full, or I mean my um, workload is full and I can't take on any projects at the moment. I like to know if a client's like, I have to get started right this second, then that's, you know, deal breaker if that's the case for that moment. So that's why it's important. It also gives a good understanding of the client's expectations. So say I have a client who, a potential client who comes and says, I want a new house, 2000 square feet. I'm on the coast. So I'm in the coastal overlay zone. Uh, it's going to be brand new construction and um, my budget's X amount and maybe those both are in line. Like, okay, great. Um, we want to have the design and the permitting and the construction all complete within a year. No later because blah, 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 because you'll hear all sorts of different things because we have renters who are moving out and we have to get in by July 1st. This allows me to either say that's totally impossible and here's why and and hear what people say. And it's also good because it will set proper expectations. One of the things that I feel creates the most contention in projects over rather than budget is schedule because design can take anywhere from a few months to over a year. Just the design. That doesn't include permitting. That doesn't include construction. Permitting is a whole bag of who knows what because the city is always doing who knows. <laughs> At least here in San Diego, it's it used to be sort of predictable. Now it's just like totally unpredictable. One week they're closed for asbestos. The next week they're closed because... It's a holiday. The next week they're closed because someone has a runny nose. I mean, it's just, it's insane. Or they lost your plans. Happened to me 
on uh, one of my projects this summer where they literally lost the stamp set of plans right before permittings were, uh, permits were supposed to be issued. So you really have no idea what's going to happen in the city. And this is where people get the most upset because they're like, we've been in permits for 12 weeks. Why? It's so, it's, it's, it's out of the architect's control. In a way, if the architect has badly designed the plans and they're in for their like 24th comment review, then yeah, you can be mad at the architect. But if they're just in for normal comments, first of all, based on comments, you will 99% of the time never get approval without some form of comments. And I've been told this by people down at the city that they will even make some comments just to review it a second time. So if you are a client, don't think that because your architect received comments back from the city, it doesn't mean that their plans are bad. I cannot tell you how many times I have received plans back from the city um, with comments and... 80% of those comments are already addressed on the plans. And I literally have to just write like C note to a 1.2. So you always are going to get comments back. So what it means, so you submit your plans for permits. They'll review it. And there's typically four to five plus different areas that need to review it. They'll review it. They'll make comments, send those back to you. You address those comments, send it back. Sometimes they'll still have like a couple outstanding comments sent to you, sent back. So this is part of that process that takes a long time. Um, But also it depends on what type of permits you're needed. Is there discretionary permits that are needed? Are you in a coastal overlay zone? If you're in a coastal overlay zone, you're looking at eight plus months just for review because it has to go to the state coastal commission for review You likely have to go through community boards review where you do presentations for community council and get approval from the owner or from the neighbors. It's a a whole thing. So these are all items that you as a client have to keep in mind when you're figuring out your schedule. So I'll have clients say like, hey, we're thinking of doing something. We we probably want to start construction in like a year. Is it too early to start? Definitely not. Get started now. Um, If you want to start construction in five years, yeah, maybe too early to start. But if you want to start in a year, get started now because you're going to go through not only just like contract talks with the architect, a meeting on the site, scheduling a survey, which takes a couple weeks to get out, um, getting getting the architect on board, then getting the designs, then approving the designs, then getting in for permits, then getting permits, then getting the contractor on board, which I usually like to do during permits, but still getting on their schedule, then starting construction. So it's a process. So making sure that these all fit within your schedule. So a couple other things that will affect a project schedule and they need to be considered when planning your schedule is the architect's schedule. So whether they're able to even take on your project right now, or maybe they're booked out till, um, you know, three months out and then they can start your project. So your architect's schedule, your owner's schedule, of course, the client's schedule, what, what they're looking to do and whether we can fit within that or how we can 
address that. Um, the consultant schedule, so your engineer's schedule, your surveyor, what they can do, the permitting schedule, like I said, and then the contractor schedule and availability. So these are all items that need to be considered, need to be discussed, and all items that I like to have a clear understanding of and clear communication of during that very first meeting. The schedule too, it changes along the way. It is flexible. It's just good to have an idea, a rough idea really early on to make sure um, we're identifying any constraints or we're able to try to fit as best we can within that schedule. It's just good for the owner and the architect to know that they're both on the same page. So these are the three most important things I feel to create realistic expectations between the client and the architect. These are all items that affect each other, but these are all items too that create the most conflict within a relationship, within a um, client, architect, contractor relationship. The scope of work, budget, and the schedule. So making sure that these three, three things are really clearly identified, clearly worked on throughout the project because a few of these are malleable and, and will be as you go, but making sure that that is communicated. And just make sure that you guys are all on the same page because everybody wants the same outcome. The architect wants to design something amazing and, and make the client happy. The, the client wants a new home, wants to move in, or wants a new building or whatever they whatever that client wants. And then the contractor, of course, wants to do it on time within budget on schedule, everything. So everyone has the same goals. It's just making sure that everyone can communicate those goals, be on the same page. And yeah, that's pretty much it. So three things you as the client need to know before you hire the architect, or at least know that these are the three things that an architect is going to ask you in the very beginning. And if they don't ask you, ask them, hey, what about this? What about my budget? Do you find my budget's going to fit within my scope of work? And hold them accountable for that in terms of make sure you're discussing it. I don't mean the architect's not guaranteeing a price, so you're not holding them accountable in that way, but just make sure it's discussed because too often budget's not discussed enough and a lot of projects go dead during permitting because the client because they're not feasible so um, make sure that to create a great outcome everyone's talking about it and um, everyone's on the same page all right another week i hope you guys had a fabulous week and will have a fabulous week and don't forget to like and subscribe and rate and review. The podcast is always helpful for people to find, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Have a great day.